0: We had season opera tickets, and Massenet was one of my absolute favorite composers and still is. In fact, I did my dissertation on Massenet. He didn't write anything for organ, Um, but um, I've always been drawn to the the French romantic composers. So, uh, Franck, Vidor, Vierne, uh, Massenet, and then later into Debussy and Poulenc.
1: That's organist Eric Goldstrom, who's the music director at Trinity Cathedral in downtown Phoenix. He leads a performance for the upcoming day-long celebration of César Franck's 200th birth anniversary to be presented at the cathedral on December 10th. We sat down to talk about the program, César Franck, and his influence on organ music. I'm Melissa Green. Welcome to another episode of Heart of the Arts. Thanks for coming on our Heart of the Arts podcast today.
0: It's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: I wanted to discuss the influence of the organ in your life. I know you like to not get too personal, but I do want our audience and listeners to know a little bit about your approach to your craft. But how did it start out as a hobby? Was it a spiritual connection to the music? Was it part of your upbringing?
0: Um, I actually came to the organ very late. I was 13. Um, I had sung in choirs uh, as a kid, uh, both in church and also uh, in the public school. Um, But one year, for a reason I still don't know, uh, my father decided to buy my mother a spinet organ. And uh, I just took to that. And I actually started out doing theater organ for about a year and a half. And then that teacher, unfortunately, she got cancer and she had to stop teaching. Um, But then I switched teachers. I went to the uh, organist choir master at the church that we were going to. And then I switched over to classical uh, organ performance and I kind of put blinders on and the rest, there was never anything else that I was going to do.
1: Hmm. Wow. So what's the spinet organ for those of us who aren't it, organ it, aficionados? Uh,
0: it's a <laughs> it's a small uh, – sorry. It's a, it's a small instrument that has two incomplete keyboards. Okay. Um, so an organ has either 56 or 62 keys and there would be two separate uh, keyboards that were both smaller and usually you would have eight or 12 pedals on the bottom that were not even full length. It was meant um, – Basically, it was meant for people who wanted to play Tico-Tico at home.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> so um, César Franck is not often the first composer we, that we learn about in whether we're just casually listening or um, studying music. So I wanted to also ask who some of the most influential composers were for you. Who were some of the first? Maybe it was César Franck.
0: Um, I've always loved Franck. I've, I've always been pulled towards uh, romantic, late romantic composers, uh, 1850, through about the Belle Epoque. Um, and this was not fashionable in the mid to late 80s when I was in college because everybody was in Baroque composer mode and finding composers they had never heard of before Um, and all the romantic composers who had been fashionable 50, 60, 70 years earlier were suddenly found wanting because they didn't subscribe to uh, the Baroque ideal of of a pure music uh, Mm -hmm. per se. Um, I actually – we had season opera tickets and Massonet was – one of my absolute favorite composers and still is. In fact, I did my dissertation on Massenet. He didn't write anything for organ. Um, But um, I've always been drawn to the the French romantic composers. So uh, Franck, Vidor, Vierne, uh, Massenet, and then later into Debussy and Poulenc. So Mm -hmm. it's always been a a pull for me.
1: Okay, yeah. So you've got this all-day event coming up December 10th, honoring the 200th birth anniversary of César Franck. Was this— some, was this uh, your baby? Was this something you put out there because I know you're joined by some ASU staff members? How did this event come about?
0: um yes it it, it was my baby. There are to to uh, to be fair, this is on the front burner for most organists mm-hmm. um, because uh, of the people that remember Frank, it's the organists who remember him most. Uh, because of the, the, the 12 significant contributions uh, that he made to organ literature. Uh, non-organists will know Franck, of course, for the symphony in D minor. Um, and violinists may know him for the uh, Sonata in A, for, for violin and piano. Um, this is actually a repeat performance in 1990 on the anniversary of his death, the 100th anniversary of his death. Um, I pulled together a similar concert uh, at Christchurch Cathedral in Indianapolis when I was the assistant there, um, and we ran through it in one day. And so I thought it would be fitting. Uh, this will be my last chance at it. <laughs>
1: Your last <laughs> to, chance uh, at it? Yes. Well, what, do you, what do you mean by that?
0: Uh, well, the next time a significant anniversary comes okay. through, I will oh, not be Oh, right.
1: Here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> we'll not be so I there was a French conductor, Jacques Lacombe, that came through, and he was talking about... The uh, symphony in D minor, and said that there's kind of a love-hate relationship with Cesar Franck. And reading about the bio, I want to get into, you know, how he was changing music for the organ. Right. Do you feel that there's a love-hate relationship with his music, and was it because he was switching things up?
0: Um, French music's incredibly complicated during this time. Um, because Franck was unapologetically influenced by German composers, specifically Beethoven. Beethoven's never far from Cesar Franck. In fact, Cesar Franck studied counterpoint and fugue with Antoine Reucher, who was a uh, symphonic bandmate of Beethoven. And so we can assume that Franck. Learned counterpoint the way Beethoven learned counterpoint. Um, he's also influenced by uh, Wagner uh, in his extreme chromaticism. And Liszt was a friend, and Liszt heard Franck perform on many, many occasions, um, and was in awe of his improvisational abilities. So there was, there is this sense that Franck, and and he's also he was born in Belgium. He was born in Liège, so. Mm-hmm will people there are people who will make the distinction that that Franck was a Parisian composer but not a French composer because he's not mm. he's not from there. So I, I'm not I'm not a French native so I can I, I can't speak to a love-hate relationship but I can see that there is some tension in lifting up Franck as a French composer when he he's not actually from France.
1: Mm. <clears <throat> that clears up a lot. Music from this time period, um, from like you said, your colleagues um, back in college were used to the Baroque approach, yeah. um, and that this was a time when Cesar Franck was writing more serious music for the organ, and that term gets thrown around a lot in classical music when describing whoever. So I want, <laughs> I wanted to know. I don't want to assume. I want to know your uh, definition of serious music and how he was changing that exactly.
0: That's an excellent question. <laughs> um,
1: and we can
0: take, we can actually not be afraid to use the word serious because in the uh, the press we have on Franck's playing, the word serious comes up in every single one of them. Mm-hmm. And I think to, in order to understand this, you have we have to go back and understand what's going on uh, in France. French organists were taught improvisation. And even to this day, I believe the best improvisers are French. Um, Mm -hmm. At the Paris Conservatoire, the examination was taught for uh, improvisation. Uh, After – when Franck took the examination, he only got second prize. Um, he got first prize for piano and first prize in counterpoint but not, not for organ. Um, you had to harmonize playing chant and you had to improvise a fugue on a given theme. It later expanded to being those two items plus an improvisation in sonata form on a given theme and also then you would play a set work, a piece that had actually been written. Um, but French organists were taught to improvise. During this time, uh, the Second Republic and even a little bit before, the premier organist in France was louis jean Fred Lefebvre-Vély. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the most fashionable organist in the most fashionable churches. He was the organist at the La Madeleine um, and he was organist. Then he went to Saint-Sulpice. He died, I believe, when he was 56. Um, he played what to us might now sound as circus music. Mm-hmm. but. The French the, – the bourgeoisie uh, went to the opera Comique and that musical influence was expected at mass. And so uh, Lefebvre Vély was a fabulous improviser. He left very few written works but they're all in this um, worldly style. I'll use, it, I'll use the time worldly. Franck stands—he was able to do this. There's one extant piece in the p s the finale, that's in this um, uh, sortie, this wild uh, kind of—I I hate to use the word circus, but it, it's, it gives a quick visual of what the music sounds like. Yeah. Um, it's not the Franck that's writing— canons. It's not the Franck that's got the grand pièce symphonique, which is not a symphony. It's an organ sonata per se that's 28 minutes. But there's this huge Beethovenian grand recalling of themes at the, at the end. Franck wrote the most important uh, – he published the most important music that had been done in Paris uh, – done in France in 100 years. Um, okay. And so he t- – he stands apart from that improvisatory tradition. And in addition to providing music for the symphonic organ, which is now being built under Aristide Cavaillé-Cole, he's giving the organ serious music. And that's what we see in the, in the press. Um, and that also tends to be why he's somewhat neglected uh, in, in French music history at, at this time because people like Aristide cavaille Franck became not—was not the top person on his list to show new organs precisely because he was so contrapuntal. He was so studied. People wanted something that was uh, immediate, immediately accessible.
1: Another um, important topic I think we need to cover is um, the Trinity cathedrals. Oregon. Yes. So, it's one of the largest in the Southwest, correct? It
0: is. It's the, I believe it's the third largest in Phoenix. Okay. It's a big instrument.
1: What makes this ideal for César Franck's music? And can you tell us uh, about the instrument?
0: Full disclosure, it's it, it's not ideal for César Franck's mm. because okay. uh, Cavaillacol's instrument, Franck sounds best on a Col instrument. And there are none in, this t- none, none in the United States. So you, go, you, need, you need to go to France for that. Um, however, the organ is what – it's built in what we call an American classic style. Okay. And that means that it's a hodgepodge, <laughs> if you will, of building techniques. So uh, if you think about it, usually manuals, each one of the keyboards is geared towards a different style. So – On an American classic organ, the great, which is the primary manual, is usually – varies between a German principal chorus, which – a principal sound is the main sound. When you think of what an organ sounds like, that's the principal sound. And so it's it's meant to play Bach, but sometimes they put English influences on that so that they have uh, a little fuller eight-foot sound. The, the choir organ, which is the bottom manual or positive, is usually a catch-all but it also can be more baroque. So it's there that you find uh, usually smaller reeds, maybe high-pitched mixtures and mutations. The third manual, the récit or the, the swell division is always French. So that's mm-hmm. where you find the Celestes. That's where you find uh, uh, the French reeds as opposed to German reeds. Um, uh, our organ has a, a solo manual which varies between being both a French bombard and also an English solo. Um, so it's 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 a conglomeration of styles. Uh, we have enough foundation eight foot tone and enough fiery reeds to make Franck sound good. But mm-hmm. it's but again it's not the it's not uh, it's not the perfect Franc organ. But you will not be
1: disappointed. Oh, I'm sure. There are so many <laughs> layers to it. It's just fascinating. I know there's, like, organ societies uh, throughout the country. And um, are there ever any – this probably is going to sound a little silly, but, you know, if someone wanted an organ built for their building or for whatever, how would, how would they go about that?
0: Um, there are uh, – there's a society for, of organ builders. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's the American Pipe Organ Builders Association yes. (APOBA). Yes. So there's a list of 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 uh, builders that uh, subscribe to that, um, and you could find any number of reputable builders. It,
1: uh, it would take a long time, though, right? I've I've mainly seen them in churches. Correct. You know,
0: the organs organs reside mainly in churches and concert halls, though. Uh, certainly, there still are residence organs. There are still people who have them in their homes. It's not as prevalent as it was, say, in the late nineteenth and early twentieth centuries, uh, when especially the wealthy or the moderately wealthy used them for entertainment because we didn't have television. We barely, you know, you might have had a record player, but even before that, and so that was part of the the entertainment was to have a residence organ.
1: Mm. It okay. takes
0: um, – it, it, depending on your builder, it can take anywhere from uh, roughly three to five years from okay. signing contract to full installation.
1: Wow. Oh, that's fascinating. Let's talk about um, the ASU members who yes. are joining you. Kimberly Marshall and James Gerber. Yes.
0: Uh, James Gerber – I met James Gerber when I came to the cathedral in 2010. He was at that time a DMA uh, candidate. Um and I can't – we just kind of hit it off and he eventually became my non-stipe organ scholar uh, for a year at the cathedral. Um, and he still to this day, he plays uh, – he's the organist for the choral even songs that we do at the cathedral and he also plays for lessons and carols. Um, he also accompanied our 2014 residency at St. Albans in the UK uh, when we were there for a week. Uh, Kimberly Marshall, she's the Goldman Professor of Organ at ASU. Um, I've known her for for, uh, a long time. She's an internationally recognized organist and scholar. Um, She did her doctoral work at uh, University College at Oxford. Mm. Um, And uh, she's taught at Stanford. And she did the – she was the dean of post Uh, doctoral work at the Royal Academy of Music in London Mm. Um, and she came to ASU I think in 1998. Her actual specialty she's always done French but her 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 main focus has always been medieval um, uh, late 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 medieval and Renaissance organ music Um, and she's recently been awarded uh, the Medal of the Royal College of Organists which is their highest degree.
1: Oh wow! Yep. Yeah, so each of you are playing solo at three different times Correct. throughout the day. Correct. And you'll each be playing part of the the twelve works.
0: Correct. Um, they each program. Uh, they'll all be about an hour long, um, and each of us has selections from the six pieces or the trois pièces, which were published – the six pieces were published in 1868, but they have a genesis as far back as the 1850s. Uh, the trois pièces from 1878 were written for the uh, inauguration of the organ in the trocadero. Mm-hmm. The trocadero was this huge um, Turkish palace um, that was built on the Senate, was torn down um it's no longer there but there were there's a gigantic organ put in there in 1878 it was dedicated and then the last set of pieces are the Trois tokwara which were published posthumously in 1890 so you'll hear selections from from all those three collections at at all three of the concerts
1: okay great yeah. and before i get to my last question what what is the community like here for organists in phoenix in arizona
0: um I, it's
1: uh, we're a strange lot. Yeah, yeah. No, I, um, I, I mean, I, I interviewed someone recently who yeah. researches like specifically Anton Bruckner's music. Oh. Okay. And he is like part of this Bruckner Society of like seven people. Right. <laughs> the organ community, you know, that's that's its own. We we are niche, larger than se- yeah. we are
0: larger than seven people. It's it's a small but it's a dedicated community hmm. um that supports you know organ arts and, you know, there are chapters of like the American Guild of Organists. There's a very active chapter here, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, you know, we, we do our part to bring in, you know, guest organists um, so that people can hear not only local talent, but also uh, national and international talent. So it's a, small, it's a small but vibrant community.
1: Yeah. Well, it's not every day you get to go to a big organ concert either. That's true. <laughs> so with this coming up on uh, December 10th, I know I have one more personal question. Yeah. And if, if I missed anything, then just jump in. But so it's happening in December. Um, do you have any holiday traditions? Do you uh, do you avoid holiday music or anything about the holidays that relates to your work and what you do? do you they... mean
0: me personally? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Christmas is my second busiest time, so I don't mm-hmm. I don't have have much time other than it than it being busy. Um, lessons and carols is something that's always been important. And Christmas Eve, they do the broadcast from Kings, which is where that service. So mm-hmm. I always start doing my uh, baking for that Christmas dinner with that on. Um, I don't I don't have a lot of traditions because, like I said, I'm usually busy. But um, one thing that I take back, which is when I was a kid. Uh, weekends, we always baked hundreds and hundreds of Christmas cookies, mm-hmm. um, and I would be in the kitchen with my mom to do that, and then we would hand them out to friends, friends and family, so I still try to do that as much as I can.
1: So, Aww. Cool. Yeah. And and you tune in to um, all the great classics. Right. They don't get old.
0: No, they don't get old. <laughs> Not at all.
1: Well, Eric Goldstrom, thank you so much for coming to, well, the Box studios today. I look forward to the show, and I think our audience is going to be fascinated by this conversation and the upcoming performance. Well,
0: thank you. Uh, I uh, I appreciate talking about Frank, and yeah. hope to see people at the concerts. Thanks. Thank you.
1: That's organist Eric Goldstrom, the music director at Trinity Cathedral in downtown Phoenix. Join him and other organ scholars on Saturday, December 10th for the celebration of the 200th birth anniversary of César Franck. Franck's 12 works for Grand Orgue will be heard in a series of three free concerts, scheduled for 2, 4, and 7 p.m. For further information on the celebration, visit trinitymusicaz.org. For KBOX Heart of the Arts, I'm Melissa Green.